MSW Media. The rule of law is not just some lawyer's turn of phrase. It is the very foundation of our democracy. The essence of the rule of law is that like cases are treated alike. That there not be one rule for Democrats and another for Republicans, one rule for the powerful, another for the powerless, one rule for the rich and another for the poor, or different rules depending upon one's race or ethnicity. To serve as Attorney General at this critical time is a calling I am honored and eager to answer. So yeah, now it's clean up on aisle 45 time. And for a long while yet, it is going to be clean up on aisle 45. Everyone, welcome to episode 53 of Clean Up on Aisle 45. It's Wednesday, January 19th, one day before my birthday, Woo. 2022. I'm your co-host, Allison Gill, and with me per huge is my co-host, <laughs> Andrew Torres. What's up, Andrew? Well, I was having a good day, and then uh, it just got it got so much better. <laughs> and now, knowing tomorrow's your birthday, I mean, that's just, that's the uh, the cherry on top. So I'm <laughs> fantastic. How are you? Ah, I'm wonderful. I'm wonderful. Uh, yep, going to be, what, 48? Something like that? Something like that. Woo! Way too old for Matt Gates. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that's that's good though. You know, <laughs> you're you're an actual grown up. So, <laughs> anyway, uh, it is always a pleasure to be here. And of course, we want to thank our new patrons. So, a big thank you to GL, to Joe Ponin, to Handmade of Dobbs Hypatia. To proud dad of LGBTQ plus kid. Hey, that's great. And uh, I'm glad you're sharing that. To Katari Sporong, www.saltprairie.photography, Jordan Gamney, T. Gadiant, and Roberts. Logan is my favorite X-File. <laughs> I, I might be mixing up a couple properties there, but I'm with you. Ken Malski, and I won an argument in the YouTube comments, and all I got was the total collapse of democracy. <laughs> yep. Yeah, uh, yeah. And also thanks to Peter Kerouac, Jacob from Sweden, Maddie, Jason Cart, OK Google. I know this is a simulation. You can let me out now. <laughs> Robert, <laughs> Robert Pixley, Heather L. Sullivan, Cindy Abawi, who can't believe she hasn't done this already. It is the most important podcast I listen to. Thank you. T. Pygar and Nick Zachariasen, creator of Metal World, the tabletop RPG with a volcano made of dragons. <laughs> Thank you so much. You know, you literally make the show possible. So uh, last Friday, we had a patron-only hangout. Plus, you know, every week you get the ad-free version of the show, all sorts of goodies. So if you'd like a shout-out like this one on the show and all that good bonus stuff, head on over to patreon.com slash aisle45pod. That's A-I-S-L-E-4-5-P-O-D. And sign up for as little as a buck an episode. And now, on with the show. <laughs> ah, this is a little block we like to call a sedition story. <laughs> So this story broke late last week, but Merrick Garland's DOJ announced the unsealing of a D.C. federal grand jury indictment charging 11 
criminal defendants, and most notably Oath Keepers, President Elmer Stewart Rhodes III, with seditious conspiracy. This is, I underestimated uh, Garland in this case for, yep. for a change. Of those 11, nine are superseding indictments against a bunch of seditious losers who were previously charged with conspiracy to obstruct an official proceeding, right? 18 U.S. Code 1512 C2. Yep. Two that Rhodes and Edward Vallejo were charged for the first time. And now, these are the first seditious conspiracy charges in connection with the 1-6 sedition and insurrection. But we suspect not the last. Yeah, uh, so much to unpack here. So Rhodes, uh, who looks like a bad cosplay of the David Hasselhoff version of Nick Fury. And <laughs> if you don't get that, Google it, please. It's we, I've only, been only, you know, you know with fewer tra- teeth. Traitor sloth is what I've been calling him. Oh, my him. gosh. Hey it, yeah. it really is. I look just like the Hoff. <laughs> anyway, uh, less, you know, fewer teeth, though. But uh, he has long been on the DOJ's radar, right? So this is the first indictment, but... This is the guy who was described in numerous previous indictments as person one, right? One of the coordinators of the 1-6 insurrection who was in, quote, regular contact with the insurrectionists on the ground and arranged to amass guns and distribute them to a so-called quick reaction force team. Uh, there are actually two of these teams inside the Capitol. When I say quick reaction force I mean, a bunch of loser wannabes who think they're in goddamn G.I. Joe, right? So <laughs> you have Kelly Meggs, codename Gator One, mm-hmm. Jessica Watkins, codename Cap, Joseph Hackett, a.k.a. Ahab, Joshua James, codename Hydro. I think he's the one whose motorcycle transforms into a submarine. Right no, now. he drinks his own urine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I, I almost feel bad for David Morshell, whose codename is... Hatsy. Hatsy. <laughs> I guess he wears a hat. I don't you know. It's like Carter Page's coat. I'm just looking around. You're like, yeah, are you just deciding code names based on the first thing you see? No, Cherry. <laughs> AJ, you're a veteran. What was your secret code? Yeah, Lamp, right? I love oh, Lamp. Yeah. No, I didn't have, just Petty Officer Gill. I didn't have a code name. Oh. All right. Uh, look, not everyone can get an A-level codename like Hatsy. <laughs> uh, the other newly added defendant, Edward Vallejo, was the other leader of one of those QRF, Quick Reaction Force teams you just described. So again, remember, these people, Rhodes and Vallejo, stayed outside D.C. at a Comfort Inn in Boston, yep. Virginia, and then quickly distributed guns once the Capitol had been breached. So no, Uncle Frank, these weren't just a bunch of tourists. They weren't just patriots set up by Antifa and BLM. This was a well-coordinated effort to breach the Capitol and then bring in guns to stop Congress from certifying the election. And anyone who's making up excuses who's defending that is literally not a believer in democracy. Yeah. And now we can say that that is not only our view but the view of the United States Department of Justice as well, because these, like you said, Allison, are the first indictments handed down under 18 U.S.C. 2384, that is seditious conspiracy, which makes it a crime if two or more persons conspire to overthrow, put down, or destroy by force the government of the United States, or by force to prevent, hinder, or delay the execution of any law of the United States. Yeah, and that, and that sounds like what everyone involved, everyone involved with one six was doing, yeah. but but as we know, this is the first time the charge has been sought by the Department of Justice. 
uh, on our Patreon only hangout Friday. Uh, you gave a quick reaction. <laughs> quick reaction for us. <laughs> it said this was an infrequently brought offense because of potential First Amendment and vagueness claims. And you had uh, you've had a chance to research and think about it. What do you think about that hot take? Uh, I'm gonna say you know B to B plus, right? So uh, the statute isn't cited very often, or at least I didn't think it was. <laughs> then I then I went onto Westlaw and I found 179 cases. Um, however, as soon as I dug into it, like 175 of those are pro se plaintiffs actions brought by literally insane sovereign citizen types that get, you know, sort of instantly dismissed. So apparently this is one of those things like, you know, prepare your own UCC 2-503 form that like mm. some nutball sovereign citizen group is like, you can sue the judge who totally gave you a parking ticket for insurrection against the true sovereign. I don't know. But anyway, they all get dismissed. Nestled in there are a handful of cases, including uh, a recent one, right, 2020, against Masood Khan and other Muslim Americans who were students at Northern Virginia Community College. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And if I recall correctly, in that case, uh, the students all got together to listen to Mullah Omar's call for all Muslims to help defend the Taliban on September 16th, 2001. This is five days after 9-11. Um, then uh, they agreed. The agreed upon evidence was that the group planned to travel to Pakistan to meet up with a group called Laskar e Taiba or LET to get military training. Right. Yep. Now, even though LET or LET was a, a primary group focused on defeating India's influence in Kashmir, the evidence was that any fighting in Afghanistan would be against the United States forces, and that any fighting in defense of the Taliban would be against United States troops. And here's the key fact, Khan never made it to Afghanistan, never actually fired against U.S. troops. Yeah, that that is exactly right. So remember that conspiracy is, one, an agreement among two or more persons, two, to, to buy force or uh, prevent, hinder uh, the execution of any law of the United States, with, with three, at least one overt act by any member of the conspiracy. So like uh, the Khan case, you don't have to actually succeed in your ultimate goal, right? And that, that didn't happen here. And also, like Khan, you don't have to be present at the site of the planned crime. So this really does seem like a pretty solid fit for Rhodes, Vallejo, and, and their co-conspirators. Mm, but what about the vagueness argument, which is what, you know, for months I was like, you know, it might not be seditious conspiracy. It might just be uh, obstructing an official proceeding. And then they can tie that to Trump, who, you know, if he incited it, then he was also obstructing an official proceeding. And I was like, it's it's easier to prove. It carries the same maximum sentence. Uh, it just doesn't have the pizzazz, you know, that seditious conspiracy has. Uh, but but w what about that vagueness argument? Yeah, um, that actually came up in the Khan case, right? So those defendants got a new trial because of a 2018 Supreme Court case called Sessions versus DeMaia, right? And here's how we unpack that. In DeMaia, the Supreme Court said that the Armed Career Criminal Act uh, which had a definition of crime of violence, was unconstitutionally vague. That definition was any other offense that is a felony and that by its nature involves a substantial risk that physical force against the person or property of another may be used in the course of committing the offense. Um, and that does sound kind of vague. And, and the successful argument that was made at the Supreme Court level was you, you couldn't figure out in advance 
what kind of a crime, quote, by its nature would risk violence, right? Like that's an individual decision. So for that and for other constitutional reasons, um, the inquiry in the future was you had to look to the conduct of the defendants themselves, right? You can't say you're doing the kind of thing that risks offense. You have to say, no, 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 the stuff that you're doing mm. risks violence. Yeah. Okay. So so in Khan's case, the problem wasn't with the 2384 charge itself. It was whether the 2384 conviction constituted a, quote, crime of violence under a, another whole statute. Yep. Uh, and because the way 2384 conviction was secured, there wasn't enough evidence relating to Khan's individual conduct. Not like here, right? So Khan and his co-conspirators vacated their other convictions and got new trials, but not on that uh, 20, not, not, not on that seditious conspiracy charge. Yeah, that is exactly right. So, so here's the key takeaway. I have read that the last 2384 conviction was nearly 30 years ago. I don't, I don't know the first person to say that, um, but, but that's now being repeated in all of the follow-up articles. Um, and that was related to the plot to blow up the UN, right? Um, that's just not true. Khan's 2384 conviction was never overturned. This is an area where the, the press just has it wrong. Um, and I, I can understand that because you've got to read through all these cases and they're not lawyers. So, um, the, the important thing is, I don't think that Demaya argument on vagueness applies to the plain text of 2384. And I, I will point out in support of my reading that Khan's lawyers didn't try to make that argument, right? So but I'll, I'll say this, other than proving conspiracy generally having, you know, being a, a challenging crime to prove, I, I don't think that seditious conspiracy is going to be materially more difficult, despite the fact that um, this is an infrequently used statute. So I commend uh, Merrick Garland, the DOJ, in, in, in bringing these charges. Yeah, I was, I was quite surprised. So one of the things that you do have to do in winning a conspiracy case, right, is prove agreement. Mm -hmm. So that's not just the intent to commit the crime, but the assent of all the members of the conspiracy to all do the crime you want done. Now, ordinarily, that's, like you said, difficult. That's a heavy lift. But uh, here... The indictment gives a strong indication the Department of Justice has all the text messages and other communication it needs to prove that element of, the, of this allegation. And those include encrypted signal messages, <laughs> which never works, criminals. Right. It never works. <laughs> As I have not seen, a, a, like, all the best indictments have all the WhatsApp and signal messages. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what? I'm not supposed to take screenshots of those? <laughs> as, as well as details. But yeah, this is something called the cloud. Uh, as well as, speaking of the cloud, they got 16 of Rudy's phones after oh. January 6th, too. But, uh, you know, those signal messages, as well as details about go-to-meeting calls, right? So it's it's pretty obvious the DOJ has a cooperating witness. Yeah, yeah, I think that I think that read is exactly correct. Um, now, so far in the in the few days follow up, Rhodes's public stance has been defiant, which is you know the thing you'd expect from the guy playing army man in front of his fellow cosplayers, right? Um, his initial hearing is of course scheduled for tomorrow, right? The day after this show airs. So uh, we'll get to see if the judge orders him held uh, without bail or not. Um, Rhodes's lawyers make the arguments that uh, he is not a flight risk and has no priors. The counter argument is <laughs> you ordered and organized a military pipeline to ship firearms into insurrectionists who breached the Capitol. So, you know, we'll, we'll see who wins. Well, they remanded him until 
the hearing. Uh, yes. So I, yeah. I personally think, though, I don't think this guy's going to see the outside of a prison for a long time. I, I, I hope you're right. Unless he, unless he cooperates, you know. But again, well, and who? and who knows? Once he's behind closed doors, and you know, Viper and Hydro and Hatsy. all of your, you know. <laughs> And, and Hatsy, I've always loved you the most, Hatsy. Like once they, once they can't see what you're doing. I mean, you know, I, I, I don't want to say people who play dress up flip the fastest, but you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and as I understand it, seditious conspiracy carries a maximum sentence of twenty years in prison, fines up to what to twenty thousand, two hundred thousand, something like that. Uh, what's the likely prison time for a first-time offender and also veteran, military veteran? Does that matter in in sentencing? Um, so the the military veteran part doesn't matter, right? In either way that you're thinking, right? Like it doesn't mean that he's going to get less. It doesn't mean that he's going to get more, which he should for you know it, uh, abusing, right? It it he, it, he for taking the the lessons that we provided to him at taxpayer expense. And, you know, unleashing it on his private little, uh, you know, force of cosplayers. Um, and I also want to tell you, due to the infrequency of this, that there is no, usually what I do is you go to the index of the sentencing guideline, like 630 pages long, <laughs> and you look up the specific statute and you say, oh, 18 USC 2384. And it's listed there. And then you go to the section. It tells you what the baseline uh, 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 offense uh, level is. Um, there isn't one. It just for says, see the judge. <laughs> yeah, it says, it says, come talk to me after class. Um, so there will be an argument as to where to start. But I will tell you that Khan, first time offender, got 120 months. That's 10 years uh, for his seditious conspiracy charge. So uh, that's a level 30 to 31 after upwards adjustments. This is, this is very, very serious. And again, lots of other, I mean, part of the reason you charge this in addition with uh, conspiracy to obstruct an official proceeding is because uh, the charges can stack, right? So, yeah. yeah. And I think it's really, really interesting to look at um, around the same time we got uh, a multiple uh, count indictment on the three percenters and we got a multiple count indictment on the Proud Boys. And, and you know, I was reading the three percenters one. There's a person one mentioned. Mm -hmm. There's conspiracy to obstruct an official proceeding. There's all the, you know, the, the uh, they don't, they didn't quite, they haven't added or they don't have the, you know, t tampering with evidence uh, like this one does. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if we, you know, if they have an oath keeper, if they have a three percenter cooperating, if this indictment doesn't, it, you know, it looks like the original uh, oath keepers indictment, it might turn into a seditious conspiracy indictment. I, I, I think that take is. 100% correct. And again, it shows, I mean, I, I'm glad we're, we're getting to walk our listeners through this in real time. I, I, like all of our listeners, we've, we've said this in multiple episodes. I, I wish we, we could have done it a, a bit more quickly. <laughs> um, but, but this is the way it, the system is supposed to work, right? Like you procure indictments, you work your way up the chain. When you get cooperating witnesses, it allows you to go back and issue superseding indictments and fill those out and go, okay, now, right, 
Hydro gave us all of his secret, you know, WhatsApp messages and signal and, and told us about the go-to meeting. And, and, and now, right, we can put in and say we are prepared to prove beyond a reasonable doubt, right, That's as, as you must in a, in a criminal case, um, the following elements, including, yeah, how are we going to prove you guys all agreed to it? Well, you know, we're going to put Hydro on the stand and he's going to be like, yeah, no, we, we, we chatted every day. Every single one of us knew exactly what it meant uh, because the defense, right, is is going to be a First Amendment defense. They're going to say, look, some of the elements in the indictment are taken from our public web pages. We said, you know, uh, that, uh, you know, that the government is illegitimate. Well, you know, we can show you, you know, 500 lefty websites that say the government is illegitimate. And you can't, right? opining that uh, Donald Trump or uh, opining that Joe Biden is not the valid president of the United States uh, is a constitutionally protected political opinion that you Mm -hmm, can have. mm -hmm. Saying Joe Biden is not the constitutionally elected president of the United States and let's get together the suitcases of the guns and the strike force and go stop the Senate from confirming him is a very, right, you've now moved beyond uh, expressing, you know, know, a a Jacobin mag article and... uh, you know, you've moved to seditious conspiracy, but 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 that's the defense that that uh, if 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 Rhodes remains defiant, he will go to trial saying, "Yeah, well, it's my right to believe that this government is legitimate, is illegitimate, and uh, and it is his right to believe that. It's just not his right to supply his cosplayers with guns to go stop the the Congress from certifying." Yeah, Matt Gates has every right to think a seventeen year old is hot. <laughs> But once he... <laughs> ah. Sorry, I just can't. Can't today with that asshole. I can't. Uh, yeah, and, and I, I, think, I think we're going to see more seditious conspiracy charges. And I think, I feel like this is a contained um, investigation. I don't think it goes all the way up yet. I think there are other, probably, investigations, like... That would that would catch that this it just doesn't feel like a a one huge pyramid. Yeah. You know, I feel like we've got the seven state false electors conspiracy thing. Uh, You know, that whole conspiracy. We've the Pence thing, you know, with the coup and the Eastman and Clark and the seven states and the fake electors. And now Sidney Powell is caught up (laughs) in that because 27, 27 of those fake electors who signed their names to those fake certifications were were plaintiffs in Kraken lawsuits. Yep. yep. So, (laughs) so, and she's being investigated by Merrick Garland's Department of Justice out of D.C. in the U.S. Attorney's Office. There's a special grand jury impaneled. It's headed up by Molly Gaston. She's doing all of the one six politically charged things like Bannon and Meadows and Powell. And, and so there's just no way in my head that they, if they're investigating Powell and her financing and where that money went, if she funded this seven state conspiracy, <laughs> she's fucked. It, it, I, I think that's right. And, you know, we, we talked about this a little bit on the last uh, opening arguments. Um, I, I, I want to emphasize if, if, you know, if you haven't heard that, the reason that we have those 50 odd people is because of a public watchdog group that served a FOIA request on NARA, on the the National Archives records, right? That said, oh, hey, actually, I mean, I have, to, I think it was on the states. 
Oh, well, that 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 overlaps. But what we we also have or both. Okay, yeah. On OA is uh, we have and again, it's just it's 50 plus pages long. It's really, really short. You can read it in an afternoon. Uh, We linked it on our show notes. Um, And and what happened was Watchdog Group asked National Archives said, hey, can you turn over any slates of electors uh, other than the ones that you've published on your website? And the National Archives was like, sure, here you go. And it is, right, and we, we, like I said, we went through this in just a couple of minutes, but it says, we, the undersigned duly appointed electors of the states of Arizona, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, right, New Mexico, all of the uh, seven states that we're talking about, you know, do hereby certify that we met and we all voted for Donald Trump. Um we joked about that as being, you know, <laughs> you're you're signing your name, you know, to your confession to committing perjury, which which you are, right? Like you've you have said, I hereby attest that I was the duly appointed elector. When you know is you're that not. is that perjury? Yes, one hundred percent. When you take an official document signed, uh, many of these are notarized, right? Signed under penalty of perjury, and you submit it to the National Archives that says, "Hey, uh, we're the real electors. What's our authority? We met in a Waffle House in Pennsylvania, <laughs> right? That that absolutely uh, is 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 perjury." And I picked out a couple of names from that list, which were folks that I just recognized who were big players, right? Because most of these people were diehard operatives in Republican Party politics, including current and past chairs of state Republican Uh parties in Arizona and Wisconsin. And so this is the, the reason I'm harping on this is because I think it shows how you, any individual listener to this show can make a difference, right? We have tens of thousands of people listen to every single show and it's a way of kind of crowdsourcing out there and go, Hey, Oh, Hey, I know that asshole. (laughs) And so the, the more information we're able to bring to light, right. That the, the more we're, we're able to help out. So it, it, I, I felt really warm and empowering and hopefully as you're listening to the show, I know we cover a lot of awful, terrible, desperate things, but this is an area where, Somebody trying to break a story managed to break more than just a story. They managed to get documents that are going to be used by the DOJ and maybe help bring down this web. And gosh, if they can they can bring down Sidney Powell along with it, then uh, you know what a what a contribution that made. Yeah, and if and if the um, Mueller probe is any uh, anything to gauge any timelines off of, um, that Sidney Powell probe has been going on for about mm-hmm. four four and a half months yep and um that would mean if it was on the same timeline that uh indictments if they have enough to charge would start dropping probably next month <sighs> can't wait yeah can't yeah. wait and that's if it only started in september that's just the only evidence we have as far as it goes back it could go back further i don't know yeah all right after this break we'll be back with a robust comings and goings that you don't want to miss stay with us we'll be right back hello I'm Jeff Stein. And I'm Jean Meserve. Together, we host the Spy Talk Podcast. 
Every week, we delve into the worlds of intelligence, foreign policy, military operations, and the intersection of all three in national security issues. Spycraft, cybersecurity, violent extremism, whether at home or abroad, technology's impact on intelligence gathering. We cover it all and much more. We interview former spooks, military officers, government officials, journalists, and national security researchers, leveraging our backgrounds in military intelligence and homeland security, along with our decades of experience as journalists and news organizations like Newsweek, The Washington Post, and CNN. So join us every Thursday for a new episode of Spy Talk, available wherever you get your podcasts. Well, Andrew, the Biden <laughs> White House did another one of those things where they said you can quit or you're fired. <laughs> and I love it. <laughs> the Biden White House has forced the resignation of a Trump appointed member of a U.S. commission who has promoted the baseless claim that FBI planted agents among the pro-Trump mob <sighs> stormed the Capitol and orchestrated the, the storming of the Capitol on January 6th. I, uh, yeah, the, the, the FBI secretly, you know, infiltrated Hydro's signal app. I, it's just I, I, I'm really glad that you've you've hammered this home because, you know, as as uh, Congressman Krishnamurthy said on the show, the American public are are the victims of an intentional effort to gaslight them about what actually happened on one six. And I, uh, we have to continue to push back. So, yes. Darren Beatty was named by the former guy to the U.S. Commission for the Preservation of America's Heritage Abroad in November of 2020. In a letter on Friday, Gautam Raghavan, the deputy director of the White House Office of Presidential Personnel, told Beatty that he must turn in his resignation by the end of the day Friday, and if he did not, his position would be terminated. We like to fire people on Fridays because there's less drama. Right. <laughs> I just see Bob and Bob like <laughs> Bob. Don't give me my stapler Bob. back. I'm gonna burn the building down. <laughs> and get this, Beatty confirmed the White House's letter in a Friday tweet, and she tweeted Friday afternoon saying his request for resignation was better than a Pulitzer, whatever that means. <laughs> and Matt Gates replied, "You've been fired by better people than this." Yes, the same Matt Gates, whose ex-girlfriend got an immunity deal to testify against him for sex trafficking minors and or a minor and obstructing justice. But but yeah, sure, Matt, better people. Uh, so way to work that in in a dependent clause. I'm not sure to, to which to react first. Let's start. <laughs> let's start with Beatty. Right. Um, he was serving a three year term and would have had the option of retaining his post until replaced. Members of the commission are not paid for their service. The White House move comes days after Beatty's actions as a right-wing blogger attracted attention from the House Select Committee investigating 1-6. The panel, um, as you might suspect, dismissed the, quote, unsupported <laughs> claim that the FBI helped to incite the insurrection. <laughs> yeah, he runs a, a right-wing website that, in two separate posts, claimed that Epps, Ray Epps, was uh, hired yeah. by the FBI to agitate the pro-Trump mob. Uh, he's actually just a guy who he's a, he's a wedding planner in Arizona. Uh, Republican lawmakers opposed to the one six investigation, including Matt Gates and Marjorie three names uh, oh my God. picked up the baseless theory, began running with it along with Tucker Carlson. He just, they just ran with this theory of course. And then we saw Ted Cruz spit it out in Congress, a bunch of stupid disinformation. God, what did, what? Uh, 
it, it, <laughs> if you were if you weren't on our Patreon only hangout on Friday, you got you got to hear us discuss uh, Ted Cruz supplicant at the feet of Tucker Carlson uh, at at some depth. Um, all right. In addition to all that, uh, check this out. <laughs> Beatty's main role on the commission was to preserve monuments in Europe, including uh, many that are honoring Holocaust victims. Um, after he was fired from the Trump White House for attending a conference frequented by white nationalists. Mm, so he's a Nazi so, working on Holocaust stuff. Yeah, that's that's great. That is a, a crime in many European nations, right? <laughs> being, I mean, being a Holocaust denier, seriously, is a is a crime in, in Germany and, and, and elsewhere. Yeah. Now, six other members appointed to the commission by Trump were also asked to resign. So it wasn't just Beatty. All, <laughs> all seven, including Commissioner Chair Paul Packer, conservative activist Julie Strauss, New York Planning Commissioner Joseph Duick, and attorney Mark Levinson. Yeah. So, uh, bye to all of those. And again, right. If you're, if you're listening, you got folks saying, Oh, I don't understand what, what Biden is doing. Like, look, one of the things that is inarguable is Biden has a fire him first and let God sort it out. Right. Uh, and, and, and God bless Papa Joe for that. Right. Uh, <laughs> that it is not, it, it has not deterred him when, uh, folks have said, uh, the president doesn't have the authority to fire me. He's been like, all right, well, you know, Sue me. The, the, the U.S. District Court for the District of Columbia is right down the street there. So, uh, and and few have taken him up on that. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, uh, so bye bye to them. Hello to new appointees to replace the seven departing members, of whom I'm hoping a substantially fewer number are white nationalists. Mm, so, yeah, yeah, um, that'd be nice. We also have newbies coming in on the uh, board for the International Food and Agricultural Development. Uh, former New York City homicide prosecutor turned Emmy Award nominated TV host Star Jones was named chair of that commission. And others named include William H. Shaheen, husband of, as you might imagine, New Hampshire Senator Jane Shaheen and Nancy K. Kaufman, the former CEO of the National Council of Jewish Women. She's probably not a Holocaust survivor. No. Yeah, I, I think it's a good idea to put. Uh, Jewish people on that commission. <laughs> yeah, might might be instead of Nazis. <laughs> All right, another cleanup news. What do you want to talk, Matt Gates? Before we before we shift gears. Oh here? yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Sure. Yeah, because <laughs> you know we were all assuming that she had been given an immunity deal, or that she had been you know that prosecutors put the screws to her and said, "Well, we're going to get you for obstruction, witness tampering, unless you help us out." And her lawyer, you know, smart smart lawyer, said, "We'll, we'll testify for immunity." Uh, in this and they uh, agreed and that apparently that took months to get that deal sewn up and and that seems to me to be what's been kind of postponing the case right making this go on longer than we thought it would but her testimony is so key they gave her immunity to an obstruction of justice charge which is a serious offense yep and and and, and a serious offense that they would have had very little difficulty proving if mm -hmm. you know from from everything we've been able to tell. That's how important her because she she can testify to the age of this woman. Uh, as she was on that Bahamas trip. Now at the time that the woman was eighteen, by the time they went to the Bahamas, but you still can't pay for sex across state lines. Nope. Uh, and and so what I figure here is they need a credible witness uh, to to sort of 
to piggyback on Joel Greenberg, who can testify to the same thing, right? Because Joel Greenberg's a giant piece of shit. (laughs) 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 And so here you have an ex-girlfriend who's got an immunity deal. And of course, they're going to come at her. Oh, did you get immunity for your testimony today? And it's like, yep, that's they do it every single time. Uh, And here, but here's here's the recording of the phone call that we were on. Uh, you know, there's going to be other testimony as well. And I, I think just a good, solid, credible witness to because she was on that three way call with Maddie Meatstick and, and the and the minor. Oh, yeah. And no, and, and <laughs> oh, go ahead. Oh, and, and and also she can. So what the what the reporting said was that two sources familiar um, said that she is testifying not just about the obstruction, because in that phone call, Matt and her called the former minor girl that was sex trafficked or allegedly sex trafficked, to tell her to stop uh, helping prosecutors. Don't tell anybody. You know, witness intimidation, witness, you know, tampering. Yep. Obstruction yep. of justice. Uh, and and so that's a pretty open and shut case if, if she testifies against him. And then also the sex trafficking. Yeah. And, and all of these very, very serious felonies, we should need to say that. And I I, I would add a, a couple of things, right? Number one, right, as a prosecutor, it is your job to evaluate the quality of the witnesses that you have and how you think their testimony will play at trial. And you, you, you need to build a case beyond a reasonable doubt, but you also need to make sure that you're not right. I mean, it, it would be very easy in a case involving, you know, 30 potential co-defendants, for example, just to use a, a ridiculous hypothetical, right, to grant immunity to 29 of them and make an ironclad case against number 30. But if if 20 of them are bad guys, right, like, you you know, you have to balance how, how many folks do you let sort of walk scot-free uh, in order to, uh, to bulletproof your case. Um, and here, you know, this is... Again, d- d- you know, use use the lawyer weasel words, right? The journalist lawyer weasel words. Use allegedly, use from everything we've heard in public sources. Um, but from everything we've heard in public sources, this was allegedly a a, a pretty serious player. Uh, and and to uh, it, uh, on the other hand, um, you really want to secure a conviction against Gates. Um, it is it is challenging for me, right? One of the things that you and I did each and every time somebody got an immunity deal in connection with the Mueller investigation was to ask, is there another reason for uh, for granting an immunity deal or a sweetheart plea deal uh, here? And um, and as I go through that process, um, it, it, other than Locking up the testimony against Matt Gates, it is it is very difficult to see what other purpose um, this deal would serve. Right, and not only that, but if I'm a prosecutor, I'm willing to give up one obstruction or one obstru- you know obstruction of justice and witness tampering. Those are very serious crimes, but I'm willing to give that up to catch a, a, a sex trafficker. Yep, uh, to be honest, to to be straight, and you know, and with the Joel Greenberg, they didn't give up his sex trafficking charge. They got rid of all the, you know, 26 other like wire fraud, computer fraud, identity. No, I think they left the identity theft. But, you know, you don't you don't give anybody a break on on the sex trafficking charges. And (laughs) and and that carries if I'm correct me if I'm wrong, that has a mandatory 10 year minimum sentence. I'm pretty sure it yet. You are not wrong. (laughs) 
and you the know best, the best kind of, of wrong yeah and and you know for like for a brief moment i was like should i be joking and laughing and i'm like yeah no yeah i should because that guy seriously yeah um deserves zero sympathy zero empathy uh, and every minute in prison he's gonna get because i will put 100 percent beans on him being indicted and in short order yeah, and and I, I think that that ties up this segment really rather nicely. I love the fact that you began with pointing out how the negotiation, as far again, as far as we can tell from media reports, the negotiation of this took a long time. Apparently, if I were to infer, I would say, right, that is the ex-girlfriend saying, "Hey, I get I get a complete immunity or I walk," mm-hmm. right, and taking kind of multiple swings at it. And then finally, uh, prosecutors coming back and going, uh, and then right. also you're a lawyer and you know this, and I've been through legal stuff and I know this, you submit a request and then you have 30 days to do, and then you have 14 days to respond. And then you have, you know, and so it's probably everybody just waiting until the sh- last minute to, you know, trying to secure that uh, immunity. And, and I, if I were that girl's lawyer, I would say n- no deal without uh, immunity in the, in yeah. everything. No deal. And what a, and I, I, I frankly love this. I mean, I, you know, I normally don't like it when people get away with crimes, you know, uh, but this one I love. I, I, I can understand that because I, I think we are collectively inferring as to where, where this is going. But it and does. it's another young woman under the power, a powerful yeah. man. And, and yeah. so it's like, you know, did she really? Uh, or is he, is he the mastermind here? Really? Yeah. Although I shy away from anything that involves Matt Gates and mastermind. <laughs> in the same sentence. But, yeah, yeah, I shouldn't so, put those two things uh, together. Just, <laughs> but it just, it does not stop him from being emotionally manipulative. Uh, yeah. And abusive. The, the fact that, you know, I doubt he does the New York Times crossword puzzle every morning. I was just going to say he struggles with Wordle. like Yeah. (laughs) Uh, All right. In other cleanup news, Andrew, the director of national intelligence of Mm. Real Haynes has appointed a new officer to oversee threats to elections, which is filling a critical role in the nation's efforts to counter gestures grandly. <laughs> foreign yeah, election it, interference. The the kind of thing in any sane country you would want both political parties to agree on. Oh, yeah. but guess what? So, <laughs> not the one receiving the aid shocker. Mm. So the new officer, Jeffrey Wickman, uh has worked at the CIA for more than 3 decades. He will take over as the election threats executive at the office of DNI. Um, individual intelligence agencies like the NSA and U.S. Cyber Command have already begun stepping up their election threat monitoring ahead of this year's midterm elections. But without a new election threats executive, um, some on Capitol Hill had feared that uh, progress had stalled and that coordination was diminished and that important analytical differences were being left Unresolved. This really is the kind of thing where you need to share and coordinate intelligence. Yeah, and that's the whole purpose of the DNI, right? Yep. Now, Wickman's appointment uh, came after the off the ODNI, the Office of Director of National Intelligence, was forced to delay plans to create a foreign malign influence center that would oversee efforts from abroad to influence elections more generally, right? And creation of that center has been slowed by disagreements on Capitol Hill... Over the size of the effort and the funding, and I'll give you one guess. 
as to which side doesn't want it to be big or well-funded. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Shelby Pearson was appointed as the election threats executive in 2019 after working on security issues surrounding the 2018 midterm elections. Um, but um, because a certain former president was uh, rather sensitive to discussions about Russian interference in our elections, which... By the way, 100% documented proof by Republicans that they've signed on to check the Senate Intelligence Committee reports. Um, but you couldn't say that around the former guy. So uh, she quickly became uh, marginalized. Yeah, she she was actually the one that briefed Congress on Russian interference mm. in, in, I think, February of 2020, uh, something, somewhere around there. And, and that pissed off the Donald so badly it ultimately led him to firing the DNI, Joseph McGuire. Yep. Might also had something to do with that whistleblower. Huh? Uh, and, you know, and then they blocked, he blocked Pearson from talking to Congress. You don't go in there any, <laughs> anymore. That was her. Yeah. So last year, uh, Ms. Haynes and the director of national intelligence uh, proposed uh, that the way to work around that was to reallocate positions to create a, a small center of up to about 15 people. Um, that would be without adding any new jobs. Uh, but then Republicans on the House Intelligence Committee objected to that and raised questions about whether you could shuffle those folks around and allocate the funds without congressional approval, which they could then do their best to stop. Yeah, but you totally can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just putting that out there. Kind of seems like you can. Um, that, that, you know, there is an existing delegated mandate. I've worked at government agencies. And if you want to shuffle around a couple of people and move departments, you do not need congressional appropriations approval to do that if you're not adding to the budget. Yeah. And, and Congress has repeatedly delegated to various executive agencies, including DNI, the authority to investigate uh, and and stop uh, foreign election threats. So, uh, yeah, that doesn't seem like a great argument to me either. Yeah. So bye bye, <laughs> BD. And, oh, uh, nice. Did you did you do this entire segment just for that? No. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> and welcome to Wickman. Uh, so uh, hello and a bye-bye. And six other bye-byes from that commission uh, all going away. And um, that is the show. And you know what? I hope, I hope Maddie isn't sleeping well <laughs> this week. I'm super glad I drafted him for my fantasy indictment team this week. Oh, nice. Yeah. I got him. I got uh, Rudy and Tonzig and Geneva. They've been real quiet lately. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I, you said they they seized sixteen cell phones yes. from Rudy. Is he? Is this like a Better Call Saul? Does he like snap them in <laughs> half every time he makes a phone call? Or I, it, uh, I, I, I love it. I would, I, I would it. think it was funny, like because we know they're burner phones, right? But wouldn't it even be funnier if he just didn't have credit? to like get a Verizon yeah. account. And so he had to get cricket burners, you know, he's constantly like stopping it at the seven 11. I'd be like, can I have the one who not the, not the one with 900 minutes. I don't need that much. <laughs> can I need a phone and a card, uh, please? Oh, yeah. Man. Better get those calling cards now. Cause you know, that's what you need to call people from jail. Yep. All right. That's it. And, um, I'll be 48 the next time we talk. On cleanup Woo! on file 45, and uh, who knows? Maybe we'll see an indictment. Uh, it, is there a better birthday present that uh, 
the United States Department of Justice could get you in, in recognition of your years of service? I don't think so. No, so yeah. Say, and you know what? Given that Mercury's in retrograde right now, I'm going to go ahead and say, is watch, that, the, in, <laughs> watch the indictment happen tomorrow. Before the show drops on Wednesday. Before the show drops, yeah, right. <laughs> so everybody, if he's been indicted, hell yeah, woo Okay, woo. if not, soon. <laughs> there, we've set it up. Uh, all right, that's our show. I don't have any final thoughts unless you've got anything you want to add. Nope, this has been great fun, and we'll see you next week. See you next week. Bye-bye. Clean Up on Aisle 45 is written, researched, and produced by Allison Gill and Andrew Torres with editing by Molly Hockey. Our art and logo designer by Joelle Reeder and Moxie Design Studios, and our music is composed and performed by Adam Orr. Clean Up on Aisle 45 is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, visit mswmedia.com. 